I'm sorry. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Saturday Night Open Mic edition of Ragtag Radio. And tonight we uh, have a special guest for you who's going to talk about one of our it's local issue, but indicative of national issues. And uh, Barbara's going to introduce him, and then the floor will be his. When he's done with his presentation, we will uh, open the floor for questions, and we'll go from there. All right, Barbara, go ahead. Okay. I'd like to introduce Kevin Fisher. I've known him for quite a long time. Uh, Back in 2010, when I lived in Murfreesboro, they were uh, proposing to build a mosque, and we were dead set against it. And uh, we gathered for a protest, is where I met Kevin, and we marched to county, the county courthouse and uh, to protest this. And we had meetings. Uh, the county, uh, the council was trying to do something under the table um, and build this mosque without public um, input and taking a vote on it. And Kevin took it further than we all did. We were fighting against it, and for four years, Kevin took this from the county courthouse to the Supreme Court in the state of Tennessee and uh, to fight the uh, building of the mosque. So I'd like to present, and we'd like to welcome Kevin to um, tell us about his fight. Kevin? Well, thank you. Hi, hi. Okay. Well, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Well, good. Uh, well, you pretty much... Uh, you know, explained everything that happened. Um, it had started when I wrote uh, a column in the newspaper. Um, I was surprised uh, one day someone on Facebook, someone had told me that this mosque had passed approval for this large facility in a local residential area. And it was passed with unanimous approval. And I found that hard to believe because I had grown up in a residential neighborhood when I was a kid. And right across the street from where we lived, there was a church. And I'm a Christian, of course. But it bothered me when we started hearing about the mosque, the size and the scope that was coming forward. You know, in a small neighborhood, a small church, it's not a big deal. But then you put a a facility the size of a Walmart in a residential area, that's going to have a huge impact on all the housing in the area. It's going to have an impact on property values. You know, and I was just incredulous that it would pass without any opposition, without any um, discussion. And as I started looking into it, I was like, this can't be right. And I started talking to several other people and they expressed the same concerns. And I, sat down one night and I just wrote a little op-ed in the paper and from there it just kind of went. I found out that um, other people were concerned as I was and when we started to ask questions, every time we asked questions of people, we were told no. We asked the district attorney. He was told, we, we actually wrote a full request for him to look into it. We were told it wasn't their jurisdiction. Uh, we tried to talk to the mayor. We tried to talk to, you know, county commission, city council. We tried to talk to everybody. And, of course, we went to the building commission. Nobody would give us audience. So then we began 
to start saying, well, okay, we're going to take this to the media directly to other people and see what other people thought. And from there, it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, I found that there were a lot of people that were equally as concerned. And it wasn't just the residential areas. It was the idea of what theology is coming into the area. Um, it became a, a, just a, a whole um, whole litany of concerns, the, the burial issues. This was brought up early on. Um, we just felt that it was something that needed to be re-looked at. And I, I went to Mayor Burgess' office, sat in his office, and I think we spent about 20 minutes talking about nothing. And at that point, I was like, okay, we're going to need to take this further. When we went to the county commission, I anticipated there would be probably a few other people that would be concerned. I knew that this was concern of a lot of people, but I didn't realize when we went to the commission that first night that so many people would show up. Um, Barbara, I think you probably may have remembered that first night and even the second night, not only was the bottom floor filled, the top floor was filled, the hallways were filled, the stairways were filled, outside, around the building. There were just people everywhere all sharing these same concerns. Mm -hmm. And it became a situation where well, the government can't ignore it now. Now they have to address it. And even still, Burgess still didn't want to address it, Mayor Burgess. The county commission was willing to look at it, and I believe they voted they wanted to look at it. Burgess would not permit it to be looked at. And at that point, after the second meeting at the commission, we said, okay, we're going to go ahead and file a suit. And um, Howard and Sally Wall were hugely instrumental. Uh, wonderful people, wonderful people. They, you know, to this day, they still they they know my son by name. They they just been wonderful people, and it just became a community effort. It wasn't just one person. It was it was a community effort. Everybody kind of took their part in moving the issue forward. And the day that we marched, we marched in July 2010. Um, I remember that day. You know, the interesting thing was that you had all of us and and newspaper estimates were between uh, 1,500 to 2,200 on our side. Then the other side, there were maybe 400 demonstrators in opposition. You know, for all of the tension that was there that day, there were no fights, there were no, you know, riots. You know, as I recall correctly, we even sang together at one point. Yeah, we did. You know? It, it it just lets you know that as a community, we're still one community, and we can resolve our differences if given the opportunity to do so. But it seemed like the mayor just didn't want to address the issue, and I found that highly suspicious. And at that point is when we started looking at filing the lawsuit. And Joe was just a wonderful attorney. Uh, he brought Tom on board, and from there it just went forward. It, it was... You know, I think back now, you know, six years later, and I'm even more convinced now than I was then that we were doing the right thing because there were so many issues when you look at what's happened in so many areas, um, whether it's in California or in Boston, um, of course, on 9-11, just so many instances all over the country that have taken place since then, it's always best to err on the side of caution. And I strongly believe today, even now more than ever, 
I remain more convinced that we did the right thing. And I think history will show we did the right thing in standing up for the community because I think it did draw attention to a serious issue and maybe it prevented some of that from coming to this area. You know, so, so I'm, I'm grateful um, for all the community that came together to address this. You know, if it hadn't been for everybody, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Tell us about the lawsuit and the steps. Tell us about filing the lawsuit and the steps leading up to the Tennessee Supreme Court. Well, um, we started looking. We started talking about attorneys. We started talking with um, people within, just in the community, that were talking about, you know, how can we move this forward? And I was introduced to Joe. Um, the Walls had introduced us to Joe Brandon. And it's funny, when I first met Joe, I was like, he's short. I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't realize how much fight he had in him. Joe had a lot of fight in him. And the wonderful thing about Joe was Joe genuinely believed in the cause. I mean, he prayed about it. He, We talked often about some of the different issues regarding what our concerns was. Joe actually went to each one of us in our group and was just talking, asking us, why is this a concern? And I, I think I probably talked his ear off for probably a good hour just from where I came from, what my concerns were. And what he did was he melded all of that into one lawsuit. It, it came from each, you know, Lisa, um, Henry, myself. You know, we all came from different backgrounds, but we all shared in different concerns regarding the same issue. And so, you know, Joe melded it all together, and, you know, he pushed it forward. And it initially... We had been turned away at the at the lower level, um, and it was a little disheartening. But something in my spirit just told me, if we keep pushing forward, that we're going to be successful. And I wasn't. I actually wasn't surprised when Judge Corlew ruled in our favor, because George Corlew was basically going right by the law. There were concerns of all the um, notices that were published. There was one notice in the whole year that wasn't put in the paper. And that was the one regarding the mosque. There were just so many inconsistencies with how it was done. It only made sense to go back and say, okay, we're going to redo this again. And I really think to this day that Burgess just did not want that to happen because had it gone back for a revote by the commission, by the planning commission, a lot of things would have started coming out that maybe they didn't want seen. Okay. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions about, the situation and and I do let me come back to the commission vote and it quietly being done. At the end of the day, the mosque is there. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Now I understand that a lot of light got put onto it, a lot of public scrutiny. Uh, yes. What was the what was the ultimate goal of the lawsuit and was it accomplished? The ultimate goal was to draw attention to the issues that we were raising. There were several issues that we were raising that we felt weren't being addressed. Um, the issue of how the bodies are buried. You know, you and I and everyone, you know, who's listening to this knows, in the neighborhood where you live, nobody would want to live next door to, whether it's a house, church, whatever, where a body's being buried in the ground with no coffin, no vault, um, 
not being embalmed. They just basically put the body in the ground at an angle, put dirt on it in a canvas bag, and they put dirt on it. That's not how in the city, with city regulations, it's done with the vault, with embalming, with the casket. These are all acquired with the county, with the state. These are all required. But yet, in this particular instance, it wasn't required. And that that was a concern for us. Um, I, um, I don't know how else. There were so many different issues that we had concern about. The big issue was the theology that was involved. Because, as you know, we've been fighting a war, not with Islam. Well, I, I personally have my personal views regarding Islam. But it's more with the violent ideology that draws a concern. You know, different sects of Islam, some some are extremely dangerous, and this is purely my personal opinion. Um, I just felt that there was something that needed to be looked at again before you bring something like this into the community. Anything that teaches extremism, I think, is something that should be addressed. If it was a clan wanting to build a headquarters out on Rutherford County Boulevard or Rutherford Boulevard, I would be concerned. It's it's just, to me, when you talk about the community, you're talking about an overall general best interest, one where the rights of every person is respected. And I know that certain elements of Islam, many elements of Islam, do not hold the same um, open beliefs that America's fought for 300, 400 years to get to where we are today. Now, and I understand, did they did they leave the waiver in place for the burial? Well, initially the, the burial was, the, the burial, the cemetery wasn't even part of their drawing. That was added after they submitted it. So they got and approval kind of, and then they retroactively put it in there. Exactly, exactly. Okay, because they would have never gotten it approved never. had it been on the initial reading. If the, if, exactly, exactly. Because as I recall, the EPA has some issues with that, which is why that you have to use vaults now. Exactly. But uh, yet, they were able to do it without it. And again, it was rushed through so quick when they got that waiver. I mean, it was it was it was approved quick, the way they did it, and again, it just raised more concerns. Hello. Oh, okay. I didn't know if I got disconnected. I'm just wondering if the fact that the way Governor Hanson has agreed to allow refugees into the state, that that didn't have some bearing on that mosque being built. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I had done some research on, I found that several of the Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia actually invest in North American groups, Muslim groups in North America, to further their agenda. Um, You have to consider something. Something that I found interesting was here you have this mosque, which was meeting over on uh, Samsonite Boulevard. They said they had, what was it, 22 paying families? But yet they're able to build this huge structure, a million-dollar structure, 
on these 15, on these, what was it, five acres? They were able to build this huge structure, 15 acres. They were able to build this huge structure off 22 paying families, the ties from 22 families. Now, I found that really suspicious. You know, and, and these were just all these issues that started raising questions. Just it begged for the commission to go back and take a look at it again. But Mayor Burgess was steadfast against any any discussion of it. And if you recall, both at the first and the second one, he was very hostile to the crowd when the crowd began to yes. want to discuss the issue. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Was the mosque ever put to public referendum? No. 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 Nope. No, it was never put to a referendum. And we we pushed hard for public That was really, you know, one of the things that we said over and over again was that all we were requesting was that this go back to the commission, have the commission address it. If they pass it, you know, we may have we may have issue with it, but it will have gone through the proper process. It would have been vetted. You know, that's how our system of government is supposed to work. But, again, the county mayor's office was steadfast against it and simply would not permit it to be put up for a vote. Yeah, so basically it was done behind our backs. Yeah. yeah. So. And one of the things that came out in the uh, in the trial was that he had met with the leaders of the mosque prior to approval, prior before, prior to the vote even taking place. He met with them. So again, I, it raised a lot of questions. A lot of people were were like, you know, this is a whole lot of smoke coming up. We we need to take a, a step back and really really look at this. Mm-hmm. And that was all we were asking. One of the things that uh, Kevin, this is Pat. I'm sure you remember me. I've been there at all the hearings and everything with you. Yes, so ma'am. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. One of the things that really bothered me about it was their application for the permit was uh, entered into the office on May the 7th, and only 17 mm-hmm. days later it was approved. Yeah, now, true. The, the meeting that 17 days, a 53,000 square foot facility in a residential neighborhood, and in only 17 days it was approved. Mm-hmm. No notice, no nothing. They said was that was a violation? State. Was that a violation of open meetings, and was it a violation of any codes or ordinances in how the county of Rutherford runs their commission? They determined it was a violation. When, one of the things that Corlew, Judge Corlew noticed was that in discussing the the open meetings was that one of the requirements that are required for these type of meetings is that they post the notice in a newspaper of general circulation. And this was the one notice out of all the notices for that whole year that never got posted. And now they were considering they, they were they were already considering this in January, February, March, you know, April, May. All this time they had to put notice in any of the newspapers. They never did it. So basically, they they would they were willing to take a slap on the wrist for a violation of the Sunshine Law exactly. to get this through. Exactly. Okay. So then, and and I apologize if my asking questions is a 
is an issue. I'm trying to no, maybe no, leave the discussion wonderful. a little. No, um, that's wonderful. Please do. So let's go to that point. Now we've got it approved by the commission. You guys have filed your lawsuit. You've went all the way up to the chain and asked them to review it. My question is, did it get reviewed again by the commission? Well, the commission, different aspects of the commission were reviewing part, like the steering, uh, public steering, public works. The steering they committee. The public works. Okay. Yeah, they, and they, they voted overwhelmingly that they need to stop and look look at some of these issues before it was approved. Okay, and then what happened at that point? Did the overall Man. commission override them? No, Mayor Burgess wouldn't permit it to go back to a vote. Okay, so his his argument was it's already been approved. We're exactly. not going to go back over this. Exactly. And there was nobody on the commission willing to stand up and say, mm-hmm. "I want this looked at again." No, several of them, several of them wanted it looked at again, and and I'm not sure, but if I'm if my memory serves me correctly, I believe they voted to relook at it. Uh, Pat, may, am I wrong? I, I may have been mistaken on this. My memory is not as great as it was, but I somehow. These questions that your, the questions that are being brought up are jogging our memory on a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I, I remember uh, Robert P. was against it. I remember uh, Turner, uh, Brad Turner. I remember several several commissioners had said that they had concerns and they wanted it re-looked at. And I remember us going to a vote, but I don't remember. I think it was just on certain sections. It wasn't yeah. on the whole issue. The whole issue, the mayor wouldn't put the whole thing back before the commission. It was just on different little parts. Right, right, right. Robert P. was the commissioner in whose district that this mosque was going to be built, and he never even knew about it. The only way he knew about it was when he found out it was approved. Mm -hmm. So since since we couldn't get it back before the main commission, we took it through the Public Works Commission, and the Public Works Commission voted overwhelmingly to look at it again. And they said that, you know, these were all valid issues. They were all they were going to address each of these issues regarding the burial, regarding um, soil uh, studies. They were going to look at all of it before the next meeting. But, again, it, it never took place. I think what had happened in that respect was that meeting we we had with them was in August. Election mm-hmm. came up. The meeting there was no meeting in That's September exactly because right. they were installing the new officers. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to October, there was all new people and they didn't want to be bothered with it. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay, so the new commission <clears throat> or the new the new shakeup didn't want to address anything brought up that was on the old agenda, and that gave them an escape. Right. Yeah. So yep. my next question would be, is the mayor still the mayor? Yes. Yes, he is. What Has he been reelected after this incident? Uh, he ran with no opposition. The, uh, the Democratic Party didn't run anybody against him. And nobody he would did challenge have, him. They <laughs> challenged him in the primary. Jimmy Evans challenged him in the primary. And it was it was close, but he um Burgess prevailed. 
And have there been any incidences with the mosque since it's been there? Um, there was one, I believe. Uh, that was where I, uh, a man from Texas had called in. A, or No, what was it? The man from Texas, was he the one that uh, got caught having uh, set fire to the tractors or did something? So when it was under yes. construction, the, the, the equipment that got damaged, that was Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. I understand. But it wasn't anybody from the local area. The one thing that's interesting about this area was that the community was willing to go through the process. That's all anybody ever asked for was for it to go through the proper process, the proper channels. The uh, person that did that was somebody from out of the area. But, of course, it paints a brush on everybody local. Exactly. Right. It was just a strange coincidence that the man was from Texas and the imam, Osama Balul, was from Irving, Texas. Exactly. Well, you have to realize something, and this is probably the bigger thing here. A, mosques are always going to pick docile communities that are going to be very very open and welcoming. Hence why you've seen four mosques go up in the state of Tennessee in relatively short time. Okay, and now I don't know what's going on inside the big one there in Murfreesboro, but I can tell you what's going on inside the little one in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little, I think there's more to this, and I think that people are going to live to regret the decision they made to allow oh, that through. I've seen that this this, this issue's had tentacles and that it's reached into different areas. You know, for example, we've had several issues where we've gone to the schools over the schools taking uh, field trips to the mosque. I believe they took a trip to the mosque in Nashville. They that did. to me is that to me is just shocking. Then there was an incident where um, Muslim family. And this was the last time I think we went before the uh, school board, where a family had brought in toy guns for the boys <laughs> and dolls for the girls. You know, these are some of the things that we had concerns when you start bringing this ideology into the area. Is Number one, it creates an idea of separatism where the males are treated one way, the females are treated another. Number two, you have children who are bringing guns, or you're giving children guns at school. Even though the toy, the imagery that's done well, in America... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, in America, we, we're trying to be inclusive. We're trying to create a society for our children where the focus is on education, where, I don't know, I, I, myself personally, this is purely my own personal politic. I try to advocate against violence with young people. Uh, one of the things that bothers me is, is the violence that's occurring in the communities today among young people. To give them toy guns bothers me. And, and for this well, family, they should have known better. And you've got those issues. My daughter, and I I can only speak to this from from my perspective, my daughter, um, who is mentally disabled, was taken on a field trip to a mosque. Mm -hmm. And we were told about this field trip the day before. Not given an opportunity to sign permission slips, nothing. Mm -hmm. She goes on this field trip, and I made it very clear that she is not to wear 
any of the head garb mm-hmm. from them because that's not our religion and not mm-hmm. going to happen. Okay? And she didn't, and as a result, she was prevented from going into the facility, mm-hmm. which is fine. She didn't, yeah. she didn't seem to care. But let's flip this around. Why are they doing that? Why don't we take a field trip to the Christian Baptist Church? That's never going to happen. And you watch, no. and that's exactly right. And the question is, why are we allowing this to happen? It's because it's there. an indoctrination thing that goes back with your textbooks, that if you look at the textbooks now, there are two and three chapters dealing with Islam and a oh, paragraph yeah. talking about the Christian Crusades and how bad they were. The ICM, here, the ICM here actually has a liaison to the schools. I, I found this out um, it was the last time we went before the, the school board. They actually have a, what was, is his name Atul Katia? Abdul Katia? Yes. K A T T I A H. Exactly. Now he's the one that ad, that advises the schools on Muslim uh, issues. That bothers me because, well, number one, you don't have one for every other. Right, so the Southern Baptist Association needs to send somebody up there or the yeah. Methodist or any yeah. of the others. And, and number two, it's not appropriate for the schools. We were, you know, I, I myself, I'm, I'm a Baptist, uh, raised my son as a Christian. But when he goes to school, I don't want anybody giving him his religious instruction. That's my job as a parent and my That's pastor's exactly job. Exactly. And to have someone as a liaison or a group to come in and say they're going to be advising the school on issues regarding making sure these children are treated this. No, no, that, that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. So the issue of the mosque had, it started out as one thing, but it's kind of grown into other areas. It's starting to branch into other areas. And that's, we're starting to see the difference. And that's the that's the thing. Because you made mention earlier in the conversation that you couldn't understand how 26 families were able to build a multi-million dollar structure. And it's very simple. You have the Muslim Brotherhood and CARE, which funnels a lot of that money in there. And you can take that back to the White House. (laughs) And both of those... uh, Both of those get traced back to multiple countries. And as we learned, and and I know you didn't know this, but we had a speaker on the other day who was born in Egypt, brought up in, uh, he's a Christian, but was brought up in the Muslim culture. And everything that we think we thought we knew about Islam and the different factions is not true. And... He says that there is no such thing as radical Islam, that all Islam is bad. And if you read the Quran, which I have, that tends to back it up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So hey, I think that – go ahead, Ella. I actually had a question. I thought about this. Where would Title IX factor in as far as the equal protection as far as Christians are concerned versus Islam. Is that an avenue that that you know of as having been pursued or... Mm. I don't know. 
I don't know who it was directed to. I don't know. I know that when we went before the school board, one of my complaints was that it did, by by them bringing the toys in for different different toys for boys and for girls, that they had violated some elements of the Title IX by treating them differently. And it, it surprised me that the schools, I mean, they were receptive. That I believe the school board was receptive to what we were saying. However, I do think because they have this liaison with the Muslim, with the, with the mosque, I don't know how much good we did. I think it's one of those things to where we'll have to keep fighting and keep paying attention. It's important that parents keep discussing with their children, watching the curriculum that they're reading in the schools, see where their, their field trips are going to. Because I, it's, it's, I think there's agenda at play. The agenda is to get into the school system. Yeah, the the problem is there. If you'll remember back to when uh, Nikita Khrushchev banged his shoe on the on the podium at the United Nations and basically said that the Western civilization was going to be infiltrated, that they would they would basically destroy our civilization without firing a shot. I believe that whenever the Cold War ended, they funneled every drop of resources they could into this what what has become a monolithic uh, establishment of Islam and that's what they're doing they're continuing that concept of trying to destroy western civilization and that's what they're wanting to do they're going to infiltrate our schools they're going to infiltrate our school boards they're going to infiltrate our uh, city councils they're going to do everything they can starting at a very small level and working their way up and i mean they know what they're doing so yeah, I totally agree that they are. You know, there is quite an agenda at work, and America needs to wake up and understand it. Islam is not the the little uh, fuzzy, warm, happy, pappy religion that that the Democrat Party wants to sell us on. It is a it is a religion solely based on the concepts of killing infidels and. Yeah establishing a worldwide caliphate and people will call us crazy all day long for saying that but it's the truth and there have been you, enough yeah go ahead no i was going to say and on top of that we have a president who was educated in islam um, he was was it not a wahhabist school that he attended yeah. mm, I, I, it maybe i don't know i just know that he spent what was it was it five years six years and in, was it indonesia Six years in Jakarta, yes, correct. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think that maybe some of that may also play into it. Very true. Thank you for answering my question, Kevin. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Does anybody else have any questions? No, I don't have a question, but I have a comment. And the one thing is that people in your neighborhoods, you need to be aware of what is going on. You need to see what is happening. Anytime you get involved, you're going to be labeled an Islamophobe or a racist and even have a CNN come into your town and do a special on you. Right, Kevin? No, so true. So true. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. You know, the media... 
the media is not our friend. The media is trying to get the advertising dollars. They're trying to drive the ratings, so they only go for these sensational stories. And that's what CNN did. CNN painted the picture that they wanted, not what was actually going on. And I think what you're saying is exactly correct. People need to look for themselves and think about it with an open mind and and really question a lot of things that they see. Because, you know, the responsibility for ensuring our children grow up safe and in a, a society where, you know, all aspects are recognized, whether they're male, female, black, white, whomever, we have a very diverse community. And Islam is not does not embrace that. And it's, it's important that we hold firm to these foundations. It's, it's taken us a long time to get to where we are today. We don't want to go backwards. And I think that Islam, I think Islam is a danger for the general community. And I think it's something that has to be watched carefully. Well, you know, Obama, when he became president, or just after he won the election, said he was going to, you know, fundamentally transform this country. And I think that's exactly what he did when he brought in the Muslim Brotherhood and, uh, you know, this common core and trying to indoctrinate our children. Do you think that either one of the new presidential candidates, if they become president, would they root out the Islamic hold that has been put on the White House? I think Trump has a better chance of rooting out more of it. I think what under Obama has become so ingrained, we've become so enmeshed in these Middle Eastern conflicts and posing up, I guess, for lack of a better word, with so many of these uh, Middle Eastern uh, groups that it's going to be hard to separate. But I think Trump will go further than Hillary uh, Clinton will. I think either president we get will distance himself from some of the things that Obama has put in place. But I think Trump will go further to separate us out of some of the mess that we're in. You know, when, when Obama came into office for Bush, personally, I thought Bush was a decent president, you know, but in, in, at the end of Bush's term, we were only in a handful of countries. Obama proceeded to spread the war all over the Middle East. So I think it's going to be hard for anyone that we get as president to untangle us from some of the mess that we've gotten into. Clinton is too tied to some of these people anyway. So, you know, we're we're just going to go further down the rabbit hole, as Fabian would say, you know, if she gets elected. So, you know, I think you're right that Trump will do something about it. I think he'll clamp down on the refugees coming in and, uh, you know, He'll do and something about this. I think the argument that he raises is very valid. All he's saying 
is that we need to come up with a better vetting process from areas that we're at war with. You know, if we know that we're receiving the majority of the terrorists coming into the country from this area, why would we continue to let them in? Yeah. To me, that, that, to me, that only makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take a, you know, idiot to figure you that out, you know. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. Well, let me point this out, and it's it's something worth pointing out. Do you have, I mean, you've got, on one side, you've got Hillary who has accepted millions and millions and millions of dollars from Middle Easterners and people that Islam is the top religion. And then you have Donald Trump, who owns a lot of property in these various places and does have business interests in those areas. And so my only question would be is do you feel that, that even though he has those interests, do you think he would still stand up for the United States and risk hurting his business interests? Personally, I think he would still continue to stand up because I, I actually think that would put him in a stronger negotiation position because he is a businessman. He's more focused on aspects relating to finance, money. I think he'll be able to negotiate on that level, possibly from a stronger position. Um, Hillary's a career politician. She's made a lot of enemies in the Middle East. So I, I, think, I think he'd actually be stronger in some ways. Okay. You know, saying so she's, she's made a lot of enemies over there. So let's jump into the future a little bit, and we'll kind of wrap this up. And by the way, we want to thank you for coming on, and we uh, would like for you to come on again later on down the road when we do a roundtable dealing with the way Islam is moving into communities. Uh, we do plan okay. to do a roundtable with several individuals that deal with this, and we'd like to have you on again. Oh, okay. uh, I'd love to. Let's go into the future and look into your crystal ball. And what do you see happening as a result of the mosque in Murfreesboro and by de facto the mosque in uh, Nashville? I hate to say, uh, okay, I'll say this on a po- on a positive note. I hope that we're able to continue to monitor so that we don't have any issues. But I'm afraid as you continue to open the floodgate, floodgates and you continue to have people coming into the area from regions that we don't know or that we that from regions where we know that we have conflicts, you know, the issue in Orlando should have been a wake-up call for us when a man walked in and just started shooting up all the, all the people who are gay. Again, but didn't you, know, you get I'm, the message that that was just a disgruntled guy uh, no, that hated I'll, gays? I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because this is anti-gay is is a tenet of the Islam, of the Muslim theology. Over in the Middle East, they're beheaded almost immediately when you find that this lifestyle is taking place. And here's why this bothers me: because you have this taking place in Orlando, you have a thing in California where a husband and wife um, shot up a, fa- a, a, a celebration. You have Boston Marathon, 
where you have this bomb that, you know, took place and, you know, the brothers, it, it just, it creates all these issues that are starting to pop up in communities. And I'm afraid that with the large influx coming in now from Syria and from the Middle East, that it opens up the possibility because we do have this large structure that we could become a beacon for some of that negativity. And I, I'm afraid, I hope that it doesn't happen, but I'm afraid that if we're not careful, the seeds could be there for something like that to happen here. I hope that that never happens. You know, I hope and pray for everyone in the community to be able to to continue to live and thrive and, and exist in peace. But when you start continuing to bring in groups that haven't been vetted from areas that we don't, from areas that we know are anti-American, teaching an anti-Western theology, it's a recipe for trouble. So we have to be aware of that. I hope it doesn't happen, but we have to be we have to be cognizant and be prepared that, you know. Does that make sense? Definitely. To me, it's like uh, the movie Field of Dreams. Build it, and they will come. True. Okay. We just have to be aware, and I think sometimes, especially nowadays, I think there's a, a tendency to, I don't know, be maybe kind of lax in, and I'm not saying on the community level, maybe on the government level. I think that they're not paying attention the way they should. And I think it's important that the citizens are aware and continue to monitor what's taking place. Hello? Yes, we're here. Okay. Uh, I always wonder if the phones... Uh, it, it gets quiet. One of, those, one of those old phones. Well, we certainly thank you uh, for coming on, and we appreciate you taking the time out to explain the lawsuit and, and kind of the progression of how this mosque came into existence and kind of the tentacles, because we think that it's important for people to know what's going on. And we think it's important for um, the message to get out there because so many people are not aware of what's going on. So thank you for coming on and uh, participating. And uh, does anybody have any questions for him before he takes off? Thank you very much, Kevin, for coming. Oh, thank you. Well, y'all have a good evening. All right. right. Bye-bye. Thank you all very much. Thank you. All right, guys, and that will conclude the recorded part of our program. Uh, My name is Fabian, and on behalf of the Board of Directors of Ragtag Patriots and its committees, we want to encourage everybody to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank you for tuning in, and have a good night, everybody.